Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Hello, hello, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everyone. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for sparing a little time. Glad you could make it. Get yourself a beverage, get yourself a snack, but make sure it's deep fried. I only want to see deep fried snacks in the chat tonight. Nothing healthy. We're being anti-health today. Go! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast. I'm your host, Boogie Bumper. Hopefully for the next hour or so, we'll see how we go. Thank you so much for joining us. Hope you had a lovely day. I certainly have. I certainly have. And I, it's an absolute pleasure. It's my pleasure to host you once again. For another edition of this very small, <laughs> very, very o- small but overrated show. If that doesn't make sense, you need to think about it. Small but overrated. We get far more audience than we deserve. Far, far too many retweets, far too many shares, far too many subscribers on the podcast. All undeserving. If you're looking for deep wisdom and knowledge, you may be disappointed. If you're looking for the intricacies of how the deep state operates, you may be disappointed. But notice I said may, because tonight we are going to investigate the very real, the very serious problem of hatred towards chicken. That's right. We're going to touch on Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A, we don't have Chick-fil-A here in Australia. We do have a number of chicken places, Red Rooster. We do have KFC. Thank you for importing that. Um greasy garbage to our shores thank you so much america for the kfc but chick-fil-a i find fascinating because i can't think of i can't think of a rest any restaurant here in australia that gets the same kind of angst the same kind of fervor as chick-fil-a does in the united states and to be brutally honest i find the whole thing about being angry at food just (laughs) mind-boggling Like, you know, you have to pinch yourself. You have to rub your eyes. Like, really? You're angry at a restaurant? Okay, so somebody who runs the restaurant says things that you don't like, perhaps. But I'm of the opinion, like, if somebody ran a restaurant who said things that I don't like, if I like the food, I don't care. I could go into a restaurant and the guy could look me in the face and say, Boogie Bumper, you are a piece of shit. They could have the worst service possible. They could insult me. They could say the most heinous things. They could say things that I disagree with right to the very core of my being. But if that steak comes out and it's tasty, I'm going to be like, well, you know, leave the man a tip. (laughs) The guy knows how to cook a steak. I'll be back next week. This is fantastic. I will take the insults. You know what I mean? So the outrage about a rest... I've always said when it comes to like multiculturalism... And, you know, the the academic tip of left-wing politics, because I'm not somebody that casts all left-wing politics as the same thing. It's not. It's like, 
there's different shades of conservatism, there's different shades of libertarianism, and of course, there's different shades on the left. I know many people on the left who couldn't care less. You know what I mean? They're flag-waving, gun-toting nationalists. But they're probably like old blue, blue-collar blue union boys. You know what I mean? They vote left for their, their own reasons. But God love them. Uh, they're not the same as the types who want to get around talking about, uh, you know, multiculturalism stuff. So when multiculturalism was really kicking off, I always said to the multiculturalists that I know, that this whole thing, this whole political experiment is going to end the day you go after food. And nobody understood what I meant. Because I said it, all of the multicultural arguments always come down to food, don't they? Like, do you have an issue with mass immigration, uh, your population increasing 50% over the last three and a half decades, and the subsequent problems with not enough infrastructure, the housing market going through the roof, uh, less employment opportunities for people at the lower end of the scale due to the amount of people now in the jobs market, the unskilled jobs market, more cars on the road, pollution, right? Having to knock down natural parks and natural reserves to build high-density housing and all of the subsequent problems that come along with mass immigration, which is used as a wallpaper to keep the economy in a state of perpetual growth because you need more consumers and you need to pump up the house market because the lobbyists need to get paid and the lobbyists for the developing industry, the developing lobbyists are the ones that most aggressively go after politicians to ask for increased mass immigration, right? So multiculturalism is the thing that's thrown over all of this and said, hey, you've got nothing to worry about because guess what? There's a brand new Indian restaurant that just opened up down the road. It's like, yay! <laughs> sure, it took me two and a half hours to get here for a half-hour trip, but at least I can have authentic vindaloos for dinner. As if we live in a world where recipes can't cross oceans. As if we live in a world where the internet doesn't exist. As if people haven't been writing recipes in cookbooks for literally thousands of years. No, if you want authentic Indian, you have to bring not one authentic Indian, but at least a quarter of a million of them. <laughs> from India to have an authentic Indian restaurant. So I always said, since every argument comes down to food, the day that food becomes the enemy will be the end of multiculturalism. And I think we're seeing that now. I think that we're seeing that today. And the ability for people to get outraged over politics because of what somebody who runs a chicken place says, so much so that they want to ban the chicken, not even for ethical reasons. Like once upon a time, you would have forgiven uh, you know, certain people of a certain ideological bent for wanting to ban chicken restaurants or other restaurants because of, oh, we don't want to kill all those innocent animals, right? It's just it's just not fair. I mean, they're battery-fed. It's very unethical. It's so sad. What about the animals? But they're not even doing it for that. They want to ban the chicken restaurant because the guy has a Christian view on marriage. It's like, you are insane. <laughs> just eat the chicken. If you don't want to eat the chicken, go to some other fucking chicken place. It's food, man! So, we will get into that. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to complain about my chicken, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at boogie bumper. Just before we get into uh, the Chick-fil-A saga, the Chick-fil-A scenario... Very confusing and dumbfounding as it is. I thought I'd touch on this. 
as you all probably heard, Walmart recently uh, announced, I think earlier today, that they're no longer going to sell ammunition. And I thought, well, uh, well, it's, pardon me, it's ammunition for certain types of firearms. <laughs> certain types of firearms. I don't know which types of firearms it is. I think it's a couple of pistols that they're not going to sell ammunition for. Is that right? Is that, am I on the right track here? But anyway, they've come out and they've boldly announced after doing their calculations, after looking their rel- at their relative market share, after looking at the potential money that they're probably going to lose by not selling a certain kind of ammunition for a certain kind of firearm, they've come out and decided, guys, we're going to do the right thing. Because <laughs> this is the thing, right? People always want to celebrate these moves. You do you Do you honestly think that the the board members at Walmart didn't sit down and do the maths first? Like, do you honestly think from the goodness of their heart, a, you know, a corporate behemoth the size of Walmart doesn't make all of these calculations beforehand before they decide to quote unquote ban something from the shop? I guarantee you whatever they've decided to ban has really nothing to do with politics and more to do with appearances rather than politics, like PR. And I guarantee you this particular PR move was the least expensive one that they could have possibly done. They took out all of their projection charts. They took out all of their sale orders. They took out all of their bottom line uh, projections, right? And said, well, if we ban this particular ammunition for this particular handgun, then we potentially might lose this, which is less than if we ban other shit. That's what really happens. At places like Walmart. They're not out of the goodness of their heart doing it. You know what I mean? And you might get upset that Walmart is banning... You know, you know, you might say, Walmart is caving. But I would say, don't look at it that way. Be positive. Here is a grand opportunity for you to stop giving money to the corporate behemoths such as Walmart and support your local small businesses. You know, the local small businesses that get stamped out by these massive companies with their paid lobbyists on the books who get special tax breaks and special conditions from the government at the, of the day. Here is an opportunity to give a little money back to the local business operator because it's only the local business operators that keep these guys from becoming monopolies because really the governments don't care about monopolies anymore. Really? If they did, do you think Google would still be a thing? So they don't care about monopolies. <clears throat> Here is your opportunity to support uh, small to medium businesses, often family run, often struggling. And despite the Walmarts of the world, small to medium businesses are still the largest employers in the United States. They're still the largest employers in the Western world. More people work for small and medium businesses than they do for Walmart. But they are the ones most at risk. So a grand opportunity to put some money in the pockets of your local ammunition seller. Isn't it wonderful? So we should all give round of applause for Walmart, not for doing the quote-unquote moral thing, not for grandstanding, not for virtue signalling, not for caving to uh, a perceived left-wing outrage. We should, do the, we should give Walmart a round of applause for supporting local businesses, for giving up their market share. Thank you, Walmart. Thank you. There are lots of local gun stores run by uh, people in the community who can now take that market share from you and turn a profit. So well done, Walmart. Supporting local businesses, finally. 
Congratulations. <laughs> but in saying all that, if you were upset, if you are a little bit peeved, if you're a little bit tempered by all this, might I suggest that things like this probably don't help? Now, <laughs> this this has to be a setup. This can't be real. Police, although it is from Florida. Man goes to Florida Walmart, inquires about weapon that would, quote, kill a lot of people. <laughs> now, I'm no expert when it comes to terrorism, but isn't, wouldn't it be, isn't the whole point of being like a terrorist planning a terrorist event or some kind of mass shooting, wouldn't uh, be remaining inconspicuous be, you know, a necessary part of this, of playing this role? <laughs> yeah, yeah, hi, uh... Yeah, uh, my name is, uh, 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 Charles, uh, Jordan, and, uh, I'm interested in a firearm. Uh, I really don't know much about the guns, but I'm looking for a gun that could, uh, you know, uh, you know, shoot a lot of people at once. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that happens. Nonetheless. Police are searching for a man who allegedly went to a Florida Walmart and inquired about purchasing a weapon that would kill a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, hi. I'm looking for a car uh, that will do 150 miles an hour down the highway. Do you have a car like that, please? Oh, I'm not going to do 150 mi miles an hour down the highway. I just want a car that, that's capable of doing that. Do you have a gun that can kill like 50 people in a room? <laughs> Where would I get that gun? Interestingly, this came out, um, what, a day before Walmart announced that they're not selling certain kinds of ammunition for certain kinds of firearms. Interesting. The Port St. Lucie Police Department said they need the public's help in identifying the subject of surveillance ca photos captured at a Walmart on US Highway 1. They say that the male subject in the photo approached a sales clerk at the Walmart on Wednesday night and inquired about, a purch about purchasing a weapon that could, quote, kill large amounts of people. He is said to be between 50 and 60 years of age, has grey, black hair, and is also a goatee. Stands about 5 feet 8 inches tall, weighs about 200 to 220 pounds. He was wearing black short sleeve polo shirt, light coloured shorts, and a black watch on his left wrist. If anyone has any information pertaining to the identity of the above subject, please contact Detective Boyce at blah 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 blah. So contact your local police department because this guy asked a question at a store. Hey, we're looking. We're looking for a guy who asked, a, who inquired about a firearm. Get this on the news. Post haste. Did he shoot anyone? No, I don't think he even purchased a gun. But he said he wants a gun that's capable of killing lots of people. Ah, he's obviously going to kill lots of people. Then you know what I mean? You know how I'm a very cynical person. I find it very hard to believe that somebody who is you know, looking to shoot large amounts of people would go into a store and inform the person at the store who sells the guns of their intention to use that gun to shoot lots of people. <laughs> I don't think even the dumbest criminal on earth would be that dumb. Am I giving people too much credit? Am I way out of line here? Don't you think it seems a little odd? Don't you think it seems a little convenient? Who knows? I just find it very suspicious. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I'm looking for a firearm that's, uh, like, capable of shooting, like, a hundred people. Do you have one of those? I don't know. They're all in the news lately. 
You know those guns that are like in the news for shooting all the people and stuff? Like I, I, you know, I'm just interested. I need to know uh, if you have one of these, uh, these uh, firearms, these assault rifles that can, uh, you know, uh, lay a lot of people out on the floor. Uh, do you have any of those? Can I purchase one of those? <laughs> By the way, my name is John Smith, and I live at such and such. I am a white Christian male. <laughs> is that the security camera up there? Like, hi, hello. <laughs> God, really? <laughs> anyway, uh, apparently there's some kind of hurricane off the coast of Florida. So I thought I'd share this. This guy is a visionary. If you haven't seen this uh, yet, you're going to love this. Uh, hashtag at uh, real Donald Trump. We need to get the scientists involved in this because this guy has potentially unearthed the solution to these natural disasters, ladies and gentlemen, in case you haven't seen it. Can't see how they haven't come up with some kind of way to com combat these storms yet. They keep saying, uh, you know, two days ago, three days ago, oh, it said this, but it's going to hit all this warm weather, all this warm weather and warm water. We have a navy. Why don't the navy come and drop ice in the warm water so it that it can't get going as fast as it? Um, has anybody else? I think we've found the guy who's looking for a firearm. I think we found him. I think we've found our man. It's between the ages of 50 and 60. Yeah, he looks about 220, 5'8". He's got gray, black hair. <laughs> Yo, like, uh, hi there. I'm, I'm looking for a firearm that can shoot like, uh, like 50 people at once. And also, what's the deal with these fucking hurricanes here in Florida? Like, we have a Navy. Why can't we just tow, like, big blocks of ice out there? Like, using using the ships. Like, what the hell is the problem here? <laughs> what the hell is the Navy doing, anyway? What, are they out there just doing circles in the water? What, are they fishing or something? Fishing for them marlins? Huh? They ain't got nothing to do. We ain't at war with the Bahamas. Come on. <laughs> Use the damn ships for something. It's going got to be ways to combat this instead of... You know what it reminds me of? I tried finding this video earlier, but I couldn't find it. I don't know if they've taken it down or whatever. But a couple of years ago, there was a YouTube video going around of a guy who was filming his girlfriend, I assume. Girlfriend, wife, whatever, partner at the time. And he's like, so tell everybody about your solution for climate change, for global warming. And she's like, well, you know, I just think that like we could take, you know, those big air conditioners... We could just take like those big air conditioners and why don't we just put them outside <laughs> and just run them outside to cool everything down. Like if we had like millions of those big industrial air conditioners and we'll just run them outside. <laughs> but I couldn't find the video. Believe it or not, Captain Kangaroo. Just pointing at the thing and say, well, it's uh, now it's getting worse. Yeah, we know it's getting worse, but you tell us. Oh, it's the warm weather. Oh, it's the wind. Well, we have an Air Force. Drive some Air Force planes around to get the winds going the opposite way. <laughs> Drive some Air Force planes around and get the winds going the opposite way. Like a big giant whirlpool. We'll get all of the Air Force jets at the same place at the same time, all flying in a certain direction to counteract the spin of the hurricane. This guy's a fucking genius. He needs to be working at NASA immediately. Yeah, do you have a like a, a firearm that's been in the news lately? 
Like it's got like lots of bullets and can kill like 40 people in one hit. I'm looking for one of those. <laughs> this is horrifying. Um, this this will feed into social media, uh, the social media ranking system that's now being rolled out in China, ladies and gentlemen. That's being, I believe, you know, slow pumped into our consciousness here in the West. And I guess I found I found another reason why red flagging people on Twitter is such a good fucking idea. And trust me, if you're not in favor of the whole red flag system, if you're not in favor of government authorities uh, monitoring your social media accounts to determine whether or not you're a dangerous individual, well, I guess you're an anti-American, anti-MAGA, anti-Donald Trump paid opposition shill, aren't you? Get on board. <laughs> Border agents are checking entrance Facebook and Twitter profiles, ladies and gentlemen, but we still don't know how closely. The great irony of this is uh, you have thousands of illegal immigrants uploading selfies on Facebook as they cross the border into the United States. But if you come here on a legitimate visa, then you might get denied entry because of what's on your Facebook profile. Isn't that the darndest thing? Earlier this week, incoming Harvard freshman Ishmael B. Awaji found himself blocked from entering the United States. Uh, Jawi, pardon me. A Palestinian resident of Lebanon had landed in Boston before the start of classes. The Harvard Crimson reported that after hours of questioning, U.S. Customs and Border Protection agents revoked his visa. Ajawi said the CBP agent searched his phone and laptop while asking questions about his friend's social media activity. Not his social media activity. What his friends are posting right? Guilt by association. Then she started screaming at me, Ajawi said. She said that she found people posting political points of view that oppose the US on my friends list. Uh, Border Patrol hasn't revealed what actually got Ajawi's uh, visa revoked. Specific information on individual travellers cannot be released due to the Privacy Act requirements and for law enforcement purposes. This individual was deemed inadmissible to the United States based on information discovered during the CBP inspection. But this is just one incident in a troubling and well-established trend of expanding, uh, expanding social media surveillance at the border. The Obama-era Department of Homeland Security initially suggested an online presence field for people requesting visa waivers, and the Trump administration quickly forged ahead with asking for social media data. That line again, the Trump administration quickly forged ahead with asking for social media data. Again, I'll say to people who think that uh, Donald Trump is like some kind of wizard when it comes to understanding the internet and the intricacies and nuances of data retention and online privacy and internet freedom, I will say, guess again, the guy doesn't even know how to use email. He likes Twitter because he can put a few sentences in and click send and it goes out to the world. That's how much he gets involved on the internet. Some border agents have aggressively pushed visitors to disclose their account handles, even when the practice was optional. Earlier this year, the State Department started requiring most visa applicants to list their social media accounts. This week offered a nightmare scenario for this vetting process. Ajawi's account suggests that digital surveillance goes far beyond checking whether a potential immigrant is a criminal threat and that border officials are treating tenuous social media connections like close, meaningful relationships. Haven't we been slowly getting pushed into this new reality over the last four or five or six years? 
You know the outrage that can come upon you if you retweet something from somebody who, you know, has controversial opinions, right? Like, you don't say it. You, you're not the one who tweeted it, but you might retweet something else. And now, so you're just as equally as guilty as the person who made that initial tweet, right? If you stand in defense of somebody who uh, might have been kicked off one of these social media platforms and say, hey, you know, free speech and stuff, well, then you're a sympathizer. You may as well be a right-wing Nazi terrorist at that point, right? And you might say, well, you know, the guy was a Palestinian and he's from Lebanon and blah, 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 so he's probably dangerous. But I would say, well, it's very convenient on this occasion, isn't it? Because this is one of those times where uh, principles need to come into effect. Because on this occasion, it might be a guy who has some friends who have anti-American views can you think of any possible future scenario where, you know, friends of yours and you might express some, you know, view that might be contrary to a particular political persuasion at a given time? And you might retweet certain things about certain politicians. And then if there's a different kind of uh, politician in power in the United States at that particular time, how inconvenient it might be for you and friends of yours to travel if Customs and Border Protection and other government authorities are reading your social media accounts to try and psychologically profile you based on what your friends are posting on Facebook? Can you see any potential problems with that? If you can't, I would suggest that you're probably not looking hard enough. Porchdick, thanks for joining us. So here you have a guy who was admitted into Harvard University getting to the border, getting getting off the plane and having his visa revoked because people on his friends list were posting things that oppose US views, US points of views. People on his friends list, not him. People on his internet social media friends list. And if you don't find that horrifying, then I, I don't know what to tell you. If you don't find that uh, a mass, uh, you know, overreach... In authority, I don't know what to tell you. And if you're gonna sit there and say, "Well, you know, it's a good," like he was, he was probably like anti-American, you know. He's probably probably someone who hates America, so fuck him. It's like, well, one day you're gonna be the one that's told that you hate America. What? You don't support mass immigration. You don't support equal rights for all people. You don't support trans liberation. You're anti-American scum. You're a right-wing terrorist. We can't let we can't let you travel, sir. Look at the things that you've been retweeting. Look at what you retweeted here. I mean, you've been retweeting this particular social media influencer who has very, very concerning views about certain members of the Democrat Party. Insulting things were said on your friends list. I'm sorry, we can't give you that visa. Sorry about that. It's just slowly being massaged into the consciousness. Just slowly being accepted. And not a single fuck was given. Why? Wow, it's just some Harv it's just some Harvard kid from Palestine. So fuck him, right? Fuck him. What's the difference? <laughs> we'll see. It's only getting worse. 
This stuff is only getting worse. It's only getting more intense. And the more the conversations out there and people talking about red flag laws and we need we need the CIA and the FBI to be monitoring social media. Like, they're not just going to snap out of it. They're not just going to wake up one day and say, shit, we've got this whole thing wrong. It's a program. It's a process. Once upon a time, they would deny you a travel visa in, you know, Eastern Europe and Western Europe ladies and gentlemen, in the previous century, based on, you know, if you if you wrote articles for, say, a particular political magazine in the 1930s, well, I'm afraid, I'm afraid we can't let you leave. We can't let you go to that particular country. My, my sincerest apologies. But your uh, particular political views are most unbecoming of, we don't want you representing us elsewhere. <clears throat> But now it's not even what you think. It's what your friends say. And that's enough. Let's get to this. Speaking of outrage, I want to have a look at Chick-fil-A. The most confusing scenario that I can conceive of when it comes to restaurants. People being angry at food for some reason. Kansas University faculty wants Chick-fil-A banned from campus for fears of safety and mental well-being. Is it particularly unsafe in a chicken shop? Like, unless you're a chicken, <laughs> what is what is what is so what makes people so unsafe in a Chick-fil-A? What makes people feel so threatened in a Chick-fil-A? Gotta find out. Gotta find out the truth here. And the video won't play, of course. How about we do this then? Okay? How about we do this? How about we do it all over again just for you? God. Give us a look here. Come on. Shitty website. All of your billions. Despite being closed on Sundays, Chick-fil-A is still in the running to be the third largest fast food chain in the country. But there is growing liberal backlash against its conservative Christian values and its philanthropic support. Now, see... <laughs> Here's, a, here's another thing for you. Chick-fil-A doesn't have conservative Christian values. The people that own it and run it do. Chick-fil-A is four walls, a roof, a deep fryer, and lots of dead chickens. And tasty fries. That's what Chick-fil-A is. Chick-fil-A is the floor and the tables and the chairs and the little napkins that you wipe your mouth with. Chick-fil-A is the menu. Chick-fil-A is the bottomless soda refills. Chick-fil-A doesn't have values. The people that run the store do. And the people that work at the store might. But I really hate this. I really hate this thing of people saying, oh, this company's values. This company's Christian values. Well, no. It's the people that run the company. If you were, if you were, you know, if you were writing up the assets of Chick-fil-A, the, the, the people's Christian beliefs wouldn't be an asset. It's not something tangible. It's, it doesn't have a, a price value on it, right? It's like, just say you work for a company that's very pro-gay marriage. And what if you're not pro-gay marriage? See, this kind of, uh, you know, we like to imprint personalities on things that have no right to have a personality. A store is not a person. A company is not a person. 
a company doesn't have, you know, a, a building doesn't have Christian values. Fried chicken doesn't have Christian values. The people that make the fried chicken might, and the people who built the building might, but the building itself does not. So if you work at a company that is, you know, the board members all get together and decide for, you know, PR reasons that they need to make a particular stance on a particular issue and say, oh, we're going to do this. What if you personally disagree? Are you now the enemy? Because your values conflict with the values of the people that run the company, should you quit? Should you get fired? Right? So it's already framed as the company is at fault here. But how many people who work at the company just want to earn, you know, 10 bucks an hour and make chicken so they can buy buy shit for themselves and their kids, right? It's worth considering. Hello and welcome to a Spirited Debate. I'm Lauren Green. Some college students are protesting against having a Chick-fil-A on campus. Then there's at least two airports banning the chain, while lawmakers in the state Texas House passed what's being called the Chick-fil-A uh, anti-religious discrimination law, saying businesses can't <laughs> be denied insane. access because of its charitable donations. What the hell? It's all about Chick-fil-A's support of the Salvation America. <laughs> this is America. This is your little brother Australia calling. America, what the fuck is wrong with you? What the hell is going on? I think we need an intervention. We've done this before for a, a different issue. I'm going to get New Zealand, Canada, uh, the UK, Scotland. We're all going to get together and we're going to sit you down. Our cousin who stormed out of the monarchy a little over 200 years ago in a fit and never came back for Christmas dinner ever since. We're going to sit you down and have a little intervention and say, America, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> the Religious Freedom Act for a chicken shop? Can everybody just fucking calm down? <laughs> One, why are you protesting a chicken place? Like, Jesus Christ, think of all of the potential things that you could be protesting. Think of all the potential injustices in the world. Think of all of the, the turmoil and the violence and the heartbreak and the poverty and everything. And you're going to take the safe route and stand out the front of a chicken place. <laughs> selling fried chicken <laughs> what the hello hello is anybody home what the hell are you doing <laughs> but then state governments writing up laws to protect the chicken place <laughs> because it's under threat it's under attack <laughs> fuck me <laughs> Army and the Fellowship of Christian Athletes both support traditional views on marriage. Well, here to debate the religious freedom conflict is former Obama faith advisor Christopher Hale and Shane Eidelman, pastor of Westside Christian Fellowship in God, California and author of One Nation Above God. Welcome to you both. Thank you for having us. Welcome. Good to be here. Thank you. Hey, Shane, let me start with you because what's happening here? Because Chick-fil-A, uh, it's the... Why do, why do television Christians always smile the same way? <laughs> Like, I'm not having a go at Christians. I am a Christian, but television Christians always have, like, a, a, the grey suit jacket, the hair parted a certain way, and always with the exact same smile. Have you noticed that? The business is fully complied with uh, equal employment opportunity requirements, but it donates to groups, like I said, the Salvation Army, which used to be a good thing, actually. And yet now, just right. because of this belief that marriage is between a man and a woman, they're now being labeled as sort of a hate and against the LGBTQ community. So what's going on here? Right. Well, let me read exactly what they put. Uh, the That's the other thing. I'm not. I'm going to move on to a different video here. I want to show you a different video. Um, because I saw this a few days ago and I thought, wow, because I didn't even know this much about Chick-fil-A and I found this fascinating. 
And I thought, wow, what a company. They really have done some amazing things, this Chick-fil-A place. Like if you take, uh, you know, if you're of the, you know, the Democrat persuasion and if you think that they hate gay people, I, I guarantee you a gay person's money is just as good at the chicken counter as anybody else's. Like if you weren't aware of how business works, hello, hello, can you hear me in the back? If you weren't aware of how capitalism works, if you're a Christian and you go in, if you're a gay man and you want fried chicken, I'm pretty sure Chick-fil-A will sell you a fried chicken. You know what I mean? I'm pretty sure they'll give you extra salt on the fries if you ask for them. Now, if you go into a Chick-fil-A uh, on a Sunday when it's closed and try fist-fucking your boyfriend on the counter, they might have a different view. But then again, places that are very pro-gay might not be approving of that kind of behavior. <laughs> but let's carry, let's uh, learn a little bit about Chick-fil-A, where they came from and why everybody hates them so much, apparently. Chick-fil-A. It's a fast food chain with chicken sandwiches said to be so good, even McDonald's wants to steal them. And it has a reputation so controversial, entire cities have banned the restaurant from their airports. Critics say Chick-fil-A has a history of... It's, it's so controversial. So controversial. It is so controversial, ladies and gentlemen. I'm like, what is the controversy here? I need to see this supporting and donating millions of dollars to anti-LGBTQ organizations. Ah, oh, you mean Christian organizations. <laughs> Isn't that funny, the little sleight of hand, the little, the subtle little switcheroo that's taken place over the last four, five, six years. Once upon a time, you were pro-Christian. Uh, pro now you're anti-gay. And it's the same thing. Like the two things are interchangeable. You know what I mean? If you support, uh, you know, Christian movements and you donate to Christian charities, why, you're helping fund anti-LGBT hate groups. I was like, when did that happen? Really? I didn't know. Did they change? Did, have they changed the letterhead? Have they changed their letterhead? Yeah. You know, honey, honey, are you still giving to the uh, Christian fellowship movement in Pennsylvania? Yes, I am. I, I donate $100 a year. Why? Well, I've, I've just got an email here. They've changed their name to All Gays Burn in Hell. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. When did they do that? <laughs> do they still sell chicken? <laughs> it's not Chick-fil-A anymore. It's We Hate Gays filet, apparently. Which has drawn the ire of lawmakers and civilians alike. Chick-fil-A's values are not Chicago values. Rob Emanuel giving a lecture on values. <laughs> now I've seen it all. <laughs> Rahm Emanuel, the man who famously said, now if you if you watch this show, you'll know that uh, my opinion of Rahm Emanuel is that he's a brilliant politician, but that doesn't mean that he's a, you know, necessarily a nice guy. Whether you think he's a nice guy or not, that's up to you. But brilliance, you know, it doesn't have to be good or bad. Brilliance is brilliance. And I think he's an excellent politician, a very clever guy. And he's a guy who famously said, never let a good crisis go to waste. You know, in the aftermath of, say, some kind of tragedy, uh, a mass shooting, for example, uh, you want to make sure that you make your political mileage directly on the back of that while uh, the, you know, the passion is running high. See, he understands, you know, uh, basic political manoeuvring like that. So he's, <laughs> Chick-fil-A values are not Chicago values. What, not enough people getting shot in Chick-fil-A? Is that the problem? Not enough unsolved murders in Chick-fil-A restaurants. Is that the problem? I'm not sure. 
but it also has its share of ardent supporters. Whatever you think. Now say, <laughs> I have to. I have to be honest here. I find protesting dinner pretty crazy. Like I said, you could be the you could be the biggest asshole in the world. You could have the most abhorrent political views, the most abhorrent religious views. You could have, you know, you could be really rude to me personally if I walk. But if I go into a restaurant and your food is killer, then I will give you a tip. Because I'm really not there for your politics. I'm there for your chicken. You know what I mean? So I really don't care about the political views of somebody who runs a restaurant. That's that's their problem. That's their value system. As long as they give me good dinner, I will pay for the good dinner and I will be back. That's all. I, but that's just me, right? So I find people who protest dinner and protest chicken shops to be pretty crazy based on that. But at the same time, <laughs> I also find fans of chicken shops to the point of where they're going to wear little outfits and buy merchandise and stand in queues for hours. I find them equally crazy for different reasons. <laughs> But that's a, that, at least that's a harmless crazy. At least that's a nice crazy. You know what I mean? It's like, wow, man, you're you're really a fan of that chicken store, huh? You've got the little uh, little mask there, and wow, well, really, you got a like a Chick Fil A uh, hoodie? Really? Did you buy that on the website? Or yeah, right. What was it like? Fifty bucks? Yeah. Big big fan of the chicken shop, eh? <laughs> Yo, Chick Fil A rules! Woo! It's like it's a football team. (laughs) Like if a group of Chick-fil-A hardcore fans, if Chick-fil-A existed in the United Kingdom, if a group of uh, hardcore Chick-fil-A fans walked onto the street at the same time as a group of hardcore KFC fans walked onto the street, would would a melee ensue? Would would there be fisticuffs? Dude, you can't walk. This is Chick-fil-A territory, motherfucker. You can't walk around wearing your KFC hat. Fuck you, man. <laughs> Yo, let's kick their ass. They like KFC. Fuck them. <laughs> I just find it a bit a bit strange. Like, if we were going out to dinner together, like, just say I came around, you're a friend of mine. Hey, man, do you want to grab a bite? Sure. Okay, I'll pick you up. Be there in 20. I zoom around to your house. <laughs> I knock on the door. I open the, You open the door, and you come. you come out dressed like a chicken. And like, hey, we're going to Chick-fil-A, right? I'm wearing my Chick-fil-A hat. I would be like, man, I, I can't go out with you dressed like this. <laughs> Nothing against you personally. If you want to walk around town and be a big fan of a chicken shop, that's fine. But I'm not sitting across from a guy in a restaurant who is dressed like he works at the restaurant. You know what I mean? I'm not having it. I'm not going to sit across from a guy who looks like he should be holding the banner out the front and spinning it. <laughs> Sorry, dude. You're on your own. You can get a cab. Whatever you think of the company's politics, Chick-fil-A's sales are on a tear. As of June 2019, it is the third biggest... Uh, Porch Dick asks, I seriously wonder if there's been any violence in a Chick-fil-A boogie. No, I think you'll find at, at least on one occasion, one person didn't have their soda filled all the way to the top. And they slammed the cup down on the bench in a rather suggestive and pseudo-aggressive manner, I think you'll find. It was headline news. Angry Chick-fil-A customer takes out anti-gay hatred on innocent soda soda cup. 
sure I saw that chain in the U.S. by system-wide sales. Look at this. And it generates the most sales per store of any fast food restaurant in the country. Look the at is- that. See, this is the kind of stuff. This is raw numbers now, right? These are raw figures now. Number three in the country. More sales per store than any other fast food chain. See, like, I, that's just kind of slipped in there. I was floored when I heard that, and I thought, really? More than McDonald's? More than KFC? More than Wendy's? Chick-fil-A? It must always be brimming. It must always be full. Scent is so rapid that even McDonald's and Popeyes are taking note. In July 2019, McDonald's franchise owners demanded the company add a southern-style chicken sandwich to its menu. Here at McDonald's, we're on the innovative edge. We're on the cutting edge of food technology. You know, some of the recipes that we have created here at McDonald's will last a lifetime. But what we really need is to copy what those guys are doing. (laughs) McDonald's is like the Microsoft of the fast food community. Whenever they... McDonald's is the Google of the fast food community. McDonald's has ridiculous market share. And whenever they see somebody else doing something, they're going to like either buy it or copy it. And say, look what we did. Look what we invented. It's like, no, you really just stole it from that other guy. Shut up, lawsuit. Lawsuit. Don't don't be hating on gay people. Don't get it from them. They hate gay people. Get it from us. We're a moral company. We're not evil like them. In order to keep pace with Chick-fil-A. A month later, Popeyes debuted its own chicken sandwich on a buttered roll with pickles. The first to be sold by... Ew. Like, isn't there a rule in fast food to make the fast food look better than it actually is? That doesn't look particularly good. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's not very imaginative. See, here in Australia, we like to put a whole bunch of shit on top of the, on the hamburgers as well. And we don't call them a chicken sandwich. It'd be a chicken burger here. But, you know, where's your lettuce? Where's your tomato? Where's your cheese? Where's your beetroot? you got to have beetroot on there. Jesus. By the chain nationwide. Chick-fil-A is also eating market share from giants in the chicken category, like KFC and Wingstop. So how is Never it that a restaurant that's in sn- Look, tastes like hate. <laughs> who, knew that t- who knew that hate could be so delicious? Mm. Mm. Boogie, Boogie, what are you eating there? Mm. It's delicious. I think it, I think it's called gay hatred. Mm. It's fucking wonderful. But you don't hate gays, no. But apparently, <laughs> apparently the gay haters whip up a tremendous chicken sandwich. Who knew? It's like I I would eat at a restaurant called Communism communism for life if they cook up a a steak the way i like it you know what i mean i really don't understand people protesting food at all i would eat a stalin burger of course it would just be sawdust but you get my point right you get my main point aired in controversy and closed on sundays is next in line to overtake starbucks and mcdonald's The rise of Chick-fil-A, chicken sandwiches and culture wars. Who knew that the culture war would end up being in a restaurant? (laughs) I did. I told you. 
I told you, multiculturalism and left-wing academic left-wing ideology, it's going to come down to a battle of food. They're already trying to close people down for cooking Mexican food if they aren't Mexican. There was a controversy here, you know, MasterChef. I think it was on MasterChef or one of those rip-off shows. One of the, you know, McDonald's Southern-style chicken burger equivalent shows of MasterChef here in Australia. And um, a ce- it was one of the celebrity versions. I can't remember the details because I don't watch that crap. <laughs> but I remember the fallout. Uh, this particular celebrity got in trouble for cooking some kind of Asian dish. And like all of these people on the internet, that's disgusting. You're culturally appropriating someone else's food. I'm like, ah, ah, see, you're going to make people into enemies because it's the it's the liberal inner city trendy academic types who most love to eat at the restaurants. So if you start telling these white rich kids who go to university that they're not allowed to eat food from other countries when that's their whole argument for supporting multiculturalism in the first place, it's like, hey, forget about mass immigration. At least we've got Asian food. If you start telling them that they're not allowed to eat it, you're fucked. Like the the dream is over. You're going to end your political rise like that. (laughs) So, of course, I'm I'm hoping to accelerate this. It all started in Atlanta, Georgia, where Chick-fil-A's founder, S. Truett Cathy, was raised and where the company... Of course, an old white guy. At least, if we're going to hate on the old white guys, can we at least say that the old white guys knew how to cook chicken? Or at least the mothers of the old white guys, can we say that? The mothers of the old white guys in the South knew how to cook chicken. But the old white guys, the sons of the mothers who knew how to cook chicken, knew how to sell it and become billionaires. What's the fucking problem with that? Is now headquartered. Kathy grew up watching his mother prepare chicken in traditional southern fashion. There it is. In 1926, the 25-year-old and his younger brother cobbled together about $10,000 to open a dining. Is is that a is that a serviceman's uniform? prepare chicken in traditional southern fashion in 1926 the 25 is that a military uniform he looks like a young 25 year old doesn't he he looks barely 15 gee people aged fast back in the day didn't they (laughs) must have been all of that good chicken now i want a chick-fil-a just to troll (laughs) this is ducks regis but if that's a military uniform perhaps somebody a military do we have any military historians in the chat Maybe you might be able to tell us if that's some kind of military outfit. It might be Salvation Army or something as well, though. I'm not sure. But whatever it is, isn't it interesting that they didn't mention anything to do with that with the guy? Nah, just nah, just a rich old white guy making uh, homophobic chicken sticks. You know what I mean? <laughs> He's never done anything good in his life. Year old ...and his younger brother cobbled together about $10,000 to open a diner called Dwarf Grill. Dwarf Legend girl. has it that's where Kathy. Oh my God, he's he's against little people as well. It's like you know what, you know what? I can almost understand the homophobia, but I mean, imagine owning a place called the Dwarf Grill. Like, what are they like? Are they seriously like killing and cooking little people in there? Oh my God, like, like that's so offensive. Dwarf, like, we don't use that term anymore, I think you'll find. Like, nobody likes the term dwarf grill. So, you know, like, I think that's, like, really the most offensive thing here is, you know, what are they, like, massacring, like, little people? 
there weren't a lot. I don't remember, like, when I look at old movies and stuff, I don't see a lot of little people running around. So I'm pretty sure that they were being herded into this dwarf grill and cooked up for rich, fat, white people. You know what I mean? It's fucking horrendous, man. It's a genocide. He invented Chick-fil-A's original chicken sandwich. Fried in peanut oil and served on a bun with pickles, the menu item regularly sold out. That's it? No sauce or nothing on there? Is there Chick-fil-A fans in the crowd, is there any sauce that goes on there? Like a little bit of aioli or something? You know what I mean? Fuck, even a little bit of hummus. <laughs> Take a bit of hummus on there. Is it just the chicken patty and the pickles and that's it? Very minimalist. So in... <laughs> Thomas Gordon says, I knew a place called Skinhead's Restaurant. You're in luck because I have a, a story uh, after this about a skinhead barbecue that you're going to love that should bring back memories. <laughs> Hail chicken! Hail chicken! Nineteen sixty-seven. Chicken, chicken is the master food. We are chicken supremacists. Seven. He opened Buck Buck Mine here. Opened the very first Chick Fil A in the Greenbrier Mall in Atlanta. From the outset, Kathy implemented a policy still in place to this day. Love the music. All stores would be closed on Sundays. A devout Christian, he reasoned that Sundays were for spiritual worship. Kathy carried those Christian values with him to Chick. I love the fact that uh, it's closed. I love the fact that um, such a big company is closed on Sunday. Because I'm I'm of the opinion that stores should be closed on Sunday. And every time I get that, I get nothing but pushback. I just get full hatred back. Oh, what do you think this is, the 1950s? I don't even think it's a particularly Christian thing. But I think like one day a week, like so much of the economy is retail now. And we're, we're often, you know, worried. We're often trying to find solutions to, um, you know, how can we get families to spend more time together? I think if there was just one day a week that everybody agreed upon, it's like, okay, you don't you don't have to go bike riding with the family. You don't have to go on a picnic. Fuck, you can sit at home in your basement and drink your body weight in whiskey if that's what you want to do. But at least one day a week where no working, no working. Everybody gets that day off. You know what I mean? Yeah, it shows a lack of greed. But it's it's not just greed too, though, Porch. I get I, I agree with the sentiment, but there's also the problem because if 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 there's two companies on a street and one company is open on Sunday and the other company isn't, then more often than not, it forces the other company to match what the first company is doing because you can't allow your direct competitor to have you know, that advantage over you. You know what I mean? <clears throat> like, I, I'm amazed that Chick-fil-A can absorb the cost of not doing business on Sunday when all of their competitors do. And, like, that's that's testament to, uh, you know, the culture of the place. But oftentimes, I think the way it started is a couple of big companies back in the 90s said, hey, we're going to start opening on Sundays or back in the 80s, whenever it was. We're going to start opening on Sundays and that basically forced the hand of all the smaller companies because if they didn't open on Sunday to match the big guy, then they would lose market share. You know what I mean? They would lose money and eventually that loss of money over time, over time, over time, over time, over time would force the smaller... You either have to raise prices or uh, figure out new ways to get people in the door and oftentimes they can't compete with the big players so they're kind of stuck and they have to do it. But I like the idea... 
see, that's the thing. I don't want to force people to not open on Sunday either. So it's a tricky one. I would really, 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 really like it if um, we could all agree that, you know, Sunday was a day that nobody had to go to work. See, here's the, here's the other thing that they did too. This is the really tricky shit that they did. They said, okay, if you're going to work Sunday, then you have to pay your workers extra to work Sundays. Okay? All right. So we're going to agree everybody's going to start opening on Sunday now, but you need to compensate your workers for working on Sunday. And they said, okay, great. No problem. We'll do that. Fine. But then, of course, 10, 15, 20 years later, what are they doing now? They're saying, well, being open on Sunday is just the same as being open on Monday and Tuesday, and it's hurting these businesses to pay penalty rates for people working on Sunday. So it should just be the paid as every other day. <laughs> right? Oh, it's just the same as every other day. So first we allow the companies to open on the Sunday, but we say, okay, but Sundays still mean something. So you're going to have to pay people extra to work on Sunday and they have to have the option of not working. And now all of the companies and the business lobbies are pushing government saying, well, what's the difference? Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, who gives a fuck? They should be paid the same every single day because we're open seven days a week. What, you think Sunday is special? What, are you living in the 1950s, you Bible bashing bastard? You know what I mean? They just slowly push that on us. Filet's flagship store, which featured an upbeat logo of a bright red chicken. Kathy said the A of the company's name represented grade A chicken. Ah, uh, that's not true. I've run this past Snopes, and I think you'll find that the A in Chick-fil-A actually stands for anti-gay hatred. Chick-fil-A anti-gay hatred. He was one of the- I checked Snopes, it's all in there. First to envision putting fast food in malls. And as malls began to grow in popularity, Chick-fil-A was taken along for the ride. Between 1971 and 1974, Chick- Okay, so I guess we can blame like the skaters and the hip kids of the 1970s for the rise of Chick-fil-A. Probably the very same boomers who are now protesting against Chick-fil-A were the ones who were buying Chick-fil-A in the 70s because they were hanging out at the mall checking out all the boys buying their milkshakes and chicken sandwiches. <laughs> Filet tripled in size, expanding into the rest of Georgia and the Carolinas, Georgia. and continuing through the South and Southwest. In 1986, Chick-fil-A decided to what go beyond malls by opening its first freestanding restaurant. By 1993, its 500th restaurant had opened. But this put- Jesus. So in 1986, one restaurant. By 1993, 500. That's incredible. That's that's stratospheric. And especially if you consider by the 90s, you already had really established brands, didn't you? You already had McDonald's. You already had Wendy's. You already had KFC. And they went from zero to 500 in, what, less than a decade. That's insane. So I'm watching this the other night and I'm sitting here and I'm like, what what have they what is the secret here? What have they done different? What is the difference here? But this this is actually pretty good. This is CNBC, which is I think is like the uh, NBC's business channel. It's it's not too bad. They go into it. Pushed it into competition with established chicken-focused fast food chains like KFC, which also opened in the South 15 years before Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A didn't have as much money as those companies to spend on advertising, so it decided to make a splash another way. In 1995, it put up huge billboards <laughs> on the side of highways in the southeast. The first billboard... 
Gee, I can I can see why certain people hate this company so much. They're closed on Sundays. They give money to uh, Christian groups, which are now determined to be anti-gay groups because I'd, when that sleight of hand switcheroo took place, I'm not sure, but it happened apparently. What used to be known as Christian is now equally known as anti-gay, you bigoted bastard. It's the same thing now. So they do that. And they also come up with uh, creative advertising. Cheeky advertising, which is humorous and well-natured and family-friendly. I can see why they hate them so much. <laughs> oh, my God. we got to stop this. Featured a pair of <laughs> Master of Blackjack. Where KFC. Go screw yourself. <laughs> I was scrawling, eat more chicken to try to get people to stop eating beef. The campaign went viral. I'll just put my hand up. I'm a big fan of chicken. Big fan of chicken. Love my chicken. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a very carnivorous person. Like if I could just be surrounded with piles of meat constantly, I would, I would be a very happy man. Big fan of chicken, big fan of pork. Love my pork roast on the spit, the crackle and everything. Mm. But um, lamb, lamb is like mm, so close to the favorite, but I'll never stop eating beef. Never. I don't even care. I saw a news report earlier today and it's like talking about future foods and these fucking idiots are chowing down on crickets and grasshoppers and stuff. I'm like, that ain't the future. That's the past. That's what people were doing when they were coming out of caves with loincloths. They were eating crickets and bugs. You know why? Because they couldn't kill cows and eat them. That's why they were eating crickets and shit. <laughs> we're not going back to eating dung beetles. That ain't the future. That's hist That's ancient history, thankfully. <laughs> that's pre-farming history. That is hunter-gatherer history. That's how old that is. That is pre-history history. Well, you know, in the future, everybody's going to be eating crickets and dung beetles and grasshoppers and the, the exact same kind of shit that man used to eat before he invented the wheel. That's, what, that's what's in your future. I don't fucking think so. I'm going to go raid a farm and stuff a truck full of cows and then drive off into the, into the distance somewhere. <laughs> we're going to eat like, we're going to eat one portion per day <laughs> and then kill ourselves on the bones of the cows. And it worked. In 2000, the privately held company hit $1 billion in sales, doubling its performance from when the billboards first debuted. It also rose to the third largest fast food chain in the chicken category, behind KFC and Popeyes. That was also the year Kathy and his three children signed a covenant promising to uphold Chick-fil-A's principles. The agreement included staying closed on Sundays and never taking the company public. You know, the company culture is very unique and has clearly led to a lot of success. And culture, it's all interlocked. Like, you pull one strand of it and the whole blanket. We all got here by only vegan. I call bullshit. We might have got to a certain point by being only vegan, but then we got to the rest of the place by eating big, juicy, fat fucking steaks, man. <laughs> That we got here by eating steaks. We got to the place before here by eating vegan. <laughs> and in case you didn't know if there are any vegans in the audience, uh, nothing personal. We are going to show you a clip um, after we do this Chick-fil-A thing, though, about ang angry vegans, so you should stick around for that. Um, if you weren't aware, uh, vegan brains, vegans' brains shrink as they get older. This is like scientific fact. You can look it up yourself. They have studied it. Vegans' brains shrink because they're not getting certain ions and certain proteins and stuff 
and a lifetime of eating only vegetables isn't good for you, like people say. So only eating meat isn't good for you, but eating only vegetables isn't good for you either. Just so you know. It can unravel. And sometimes if a, if a company is public, someone might want to pull out a string. And I always love like the vegans are like, well, I don't, you know, I, I don't even have to eat meat because, you know, I've got like vitamin, they've got, you open up their medicine cabinet and it's full of like fucking boxes of vitamins and iron and shit like that and supplements. And I'm like, oh, you're so natural. <laughs> this is so natural. So you're going to, you're going to swallow bucket loads of this shit that was made in a lab by people wearing white coats, carrying clipboards, wearing hairnets and tell me about how you're protecting the natural earth. Okay, mate. Okay, comrade. <laughs> You know, I don't eat meat because I believe in, you know, the natural state of a human being, which is why I eat a jar of this lab-produced vitamin every day. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I don't need meat. Right, got ya. Strand ...and might not realize, wow, that's the strand that could unravel the whole blanket here. Chick-fil-A's fast-paced growth was also fueled by a few key innovations in its operating structure. Each franchise is owned by an independent operator who usually has just one unit and no other business ventures, a model that's still relatively unique in the fast food business. This allowed... That is incredible too. Like, because uh, McDonald's, KFC, they all have franchises as well, but oftentimes you won't find many people who just own one. And they probably get laughed at by the other franchisees, you know. If you buy one and then you you parlay that into two and then you get four and then you get eight, and next thing you build a little mini empire of restaurants. But Chick-fil-A turns around and says, no, just one. Just one. That'll do you. And it's like, what are you, an oil tycoon who's looking for a side business? Ah, sorry. Not interested. Not interested, bro. No. They want their store, they want their store owner. 100% focused on that store, which is pretty rare. Very rare. Franchise owners to be focused on the restaurant and truly connected to the community. Employee makeup is another differentiator for the brand. Chick-fil-A has said that two-thirds of Chick-fil-A employees have grown up working for the company, wow. doing shifts in high school and college, and ultimately returning for a career with Chick-fil-A after graduating. Isn't that incredible? Two-thirds retention rate. I worked at McDonald's when I was a kid. You know how long I worked at McDonald's for? Six months. Six months until I got a better job, and then I was out of there quick as a flash. And I think you'll find most people treat like, you know, there are very... There aren't many options to start off on your working life. You have to start somewhere, which is the whole reason minimum wage exists. Like if, you, if you're working minimum wage for 35 years, you're working minimum wage because that's exactly what you're worth. You know what I mean? The whole point of minimum wage is just to get a start, to get experience and get a little money for it. So you learn how to take orders. You learn how to show up on time. You learn how to do what your boss tells you. You, you learn a little bit about capitalism. You learn that if you work hard, you learn how to, you know, problem solve. You, you get a few skills at minimum wage and then you take those few skills that you have and you go on to the next place who pays you a little bit more. And when they say, what have you done? You say, well, I've been working at McDonald's. I've learned this. I've learned that. I've learned that. And they go, okay, great. We'll get you in extra two bucks an hour. And then you do the same thing at the next place and you move on again. That's what minimum wage is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be a living wage. It's supposed to be an entry point. It's where you start. It's not where you finish. But that point often gets lost on people too nowadays.
But anyway, uh, two thirds of the people working at Chick Fil A today previously worked at Chick Fil A, grew up working at Chick Fil A, so they work there as children. That's incredible retention rate. Like that's got to be more than opposite of all the other fast food joints. You know what I mean? See all these little things that are coming out. Zero stores to 500 stores in less than a decade. The franchise owners only own one store. So they can focus on that one store. And two thirds of the employees grew up working at the place. That's that's amazing to me. So that can tell you something. One, people like working there. Okay, because if people didn't like working there, uh, two thirds wouldn't be wouldn't be happening. People off people obviously feel like they're getting paid enough to work there, and people probably feel like they're a valued employee there. Like it's a big company, but you know you'll you'll find often like people work at small companies longer than they work at big companies because at a small company your input is more valued. You're more of an important part of the team, right? Like what you do has a real effect on the bottom line of the business. Whereas if you're working at a big company, you kind of get treated like a number. It's like where you just show up and go home. Nobody really even knows that you're there. So they probably feel like they're a valued member of the team. So they stick around and they do their best. Right? It's incredible. Chick-fil-A is extreme. Cleo in the chat says, great model for business. They're, they're all jealous. They could well be. Like I'm sure right now, um, you know, the McDonald's and the KFCs, just because they're so much bigger than Chick-fil-A, probably aren't jealous, but they're probably looking over their shoulder going, hmm, what are these guys doing different? Extremely selective of who is even allowed to become an operator. That structure has created a network of experienced franchise owners who are loyal to the brand. It's the main reason why they're successful, because they have these people that are in the stores every single day. Uh, they've gone through a heavy training process. Um, uh, they believe very strongly in the brand and um, they are interacting with customers. So uh, they are. You know See, all of this stuff goes against what you've heard. Because if you're just absorbing corporate press, you would have thought that the only reason that Chick-fil-A is uh, making money and the only reason that it's going popular is because everybody's out there because fuck the left, right? Everybody, Everybody's supporting Chick-fil-A because they hate the left. And I don't think that that's necessarily true. You know, and the lefties would be saying the only reason Chick-fil-A is popular is because Christian bigots are eating there. I don't think that that's true either. Not when you take all of these other things into consideration. It's, it's obviously got a good business model and a good foundation, right? They obviously train their people well. Their people like working there. The, the owners of the franchises love owning it. They know what they're doing. That's why they're surviving. That's why they're going to the next level. I find all of the hatred that laced, gets laced on top is more like a sideshow. You know what I mean? Interacting with the employees. They are interacting with everybody, and, and, and it really works for them. The franchise agreement also allows operators to start restaurants for an extremely low cost. The initial fee is just $10,000. In comparison, the fee at McDonald's is $45,000. Look at that. <laughs> Look at the barrier to entry to buy a McDonald's. Four times as much to buy a McDonald's. I need. We don't have Chick-fil-A here, Nathan, so I can't. I can't try it. I think they're opening their first international store, but it's going to be in Canada later this year. So, And Wendy's is $40,000. 
Unburdened by the debt of a large initial fee, Chick-fil-A franchisee operators are able to put more of their funds into growing and improving their store. The closed on Sunday policy also applies to the Chick-fil-A's operating in stadiums. Its Mercedes-Benz location even remained closed when the Super Bowl was held there in 2019. Wow. <laughs> Super Bowl Sunday. Super Bowl Sunday. That, that must have been a really tasty carrot hanging out there. You know what I mean? For the person that runs this particular franchise at this particular stadium and the Super Bowl was played there on a Sunday. <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> Can't open. But it's the Super Bowl. Come on. No, sorry. Sorry, can't do it. All of our employees will be at home watching the game, not at the not at the stadium serving food to people watching the game. How about that? Isn't that fantastic? Analysts say the policy comes with a hefty price tag. If you do the math, I think it works out to roughly $1.7 billion in system-wide sales that are lost by being closed on Sunday. So there you go. <clears throat> it's what we were talking about before, you know, other companies being forced to copy the, you know, the, the hours of other companies. So Chick-fil-A annually starts $1.7 billion behind their competitors. Like, that's mind-boggling. It's, it's, it's hard for people like us, you know, the peasants here at the bottom of the totem pole, it's hard for people like us to even imagine what $1.7 billion looks like. So imagine running a company and knowing that you're starting $1.7 billion behind anybody before the first day of trade has even started. Every single year. I guess it would force you to look at your business differently and come up with new ways of gener uh, generating revenue, right? It would force you to come up with new ways of generating interest and generating clientele. You have to be creative. If you're starting $1.7 behind, you have to do something different. You can't do the same thing as the big guys are doing and just take $1.7 billion less because you're going to fail. Now, again, that's assuming you just open up on Sundays and everything else works normally. But they also say being closed might actually help the chain provide better service. Every employee can look forward to time off no matter how hard they're working Monday through Saturday. And you know, sometimes that rest and relaxation can do a person real good. Um, on top of that, you know... The that is great. You know, you know if you work at Chick-fil-A, you're never going to have a situation where your boss is going to come up to you and ask you to work the Sunday shift. You know every Saturday night your plans are open. You know every single Sunday your plans are open. You can do what you like on that one day a week. You're never going to have a pain, a pain in the ass manager come up to you at, you know, 9 o'clock on Saturday night and go, Boogie, uh, we've had a couple of people call in sick tomorrow. Um, you know, we really need to cover this shift. Would you mind? Uh, well, boss, I did have plans to, you know, take the kids. Yeah, I, I get that. But, you know, it's just one of those things we need hands. We need all hands to the pump. All hands to the pump. Sorry, man. I'm, I'm really going to need you to come in. You know, if you don't come in on Sunday, then there's a lot of people who would like to be doing those extra shifts that you do Monday to Friday. 
and I, it would be unfair for me to not reward the people who are willing to come in on Sunday with those extra shifts that you're currently doing. So do you mind? <laughs> That's the kind of shit that goes on. Huh? So everybody knows Sunday, day off. I think that's fantastic. Guess like they better get to the Chick-fil-A restaurant before Sunday comes because if they find the time on Sunday and they have that craving on Sunday and they show up on Sunday, <laughs> not getting any food from that Chick-fil-A restaurant. In 2018, Rohingya woman in the chat actually worked for Chick-fil-A. So let us let us know like in the chat what it was like, what your experience was like. Because I, I do, like I said in the opening, I find it amazing. The whole furor about Chick-fil-A and the rise of the company going right against, you're supposed to hate it. If you watch CNN and MSNBC and listen to, uh, you know, political activists and stuff, you this is supposed to be the most evil company on earth. And when you watch something like this, you realize this is so, it's, it's not even close to garbage. It's beyond garbage. It is garbage that has been melted down and seeped into a pit of, you know, runny shit and then converted into rocket fuel or something. It's beyond garbage. There were 2,003. It's, it's the type of garbage that the Philippines says to Canada, hey, you'll take this shit back. We don't want it. This is garbage. We don't even like this garbage. This garbage is more stinky than our garbage. And we eat lots of fish. Well, fuck you, Canada. It's that kind of garbage. It is Canadian take back garbage. 352 Chick-fil-A's in business, with 234 in malls, 264 on college campuses, and 73 at hospitals, businesses, or airports. The culture of Chick-fil-A today still focuses on the Christian values that Kathy founded the chain on. Outside its Atlanta headquarters, a plaque with Chick-fil-A's mission statement still hangs. Analyst Ooh, a plaque. How very anti-gay of them to have a plaque at their company headquarters talking about God. Oh my God, these fucking bigots. These Bible-bashing, gay-burning bigots. Fuck them. Let's point to the chain's religious backbone as a driving force behind the company's number one rank in customer service for four years, from 2015 to 2019. In a 2018 survey of drive throughs Chick-fil-A employees were reported to have smiled 91.4% of the time. Not bad. While employees of the next highest chain, KFC, smiled 78.5% of the time. <laughs> they don't smile as much at KFC. <laughs> See, again, I'm not somebody that particularly cares if the person serving me is smiling or not. That doesn't worry me. As long as the food's good, that's all I'm there for. I really don't care too much about smiles and the extra mile people go. But I know a lot of people do, so it does make a difference to most people. Basically, you're starting to see they're, they're almost kind of a little bit of a... The waffle fry uh, woman. The waffle fry woman. Rohingya woman was the waffle fryer. I don't think we even have waffle fryers. I'd like to know one. <laughs> I'd like to get a waffle. Style brand, if you will. You come in and it's an experience. From the minute you walk in, you're, you've got that that, that fresh-faced kid who's, you know, greets you, thank you, you know, they're polite, they're walking around helping you, etc. It's beyond just a transaction of food. It's an entire experience. And I think Eat you're starting chicken. to see some of the, you know, the bigger brands really trying, trying, you know, as much as they can to, to mimic that and, and, and trying to give you an experience. Chick-fil-A's Christian values have also been a source of... Notice how the music's changed. <laughs> when they were talking about how the company was founded and how it rose and how it was growing and the money they were making, it was like upbeat jazz music. 
now they're talking about the Christian values of Chick-fil-A, which, again, I find bullshit. The Christian, you mean the Christian values of the people that own it. That's what we're talking about here. Chairs and deep-fried chicken don't really have values. They're just food and chairs. But putting that to one side, now the music's changed. It's like... It's like dark, <laughs> controversial music. Damn those controversial Christians that fry chicken on not on Sundays, am I right? Major controversy in recent years. In July 2012, Chick-fil-A came under fire after Truett Cathy's son and the company's current dun, president, dun, dun, Dan Cathy, publicly... Dun, 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 dun. Oh my God. Dun, 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 dun. Don't open the door. Don't go in there. Dun, 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 dun. This is a hate chicken. Dun, 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 dun. Look at all the happy gay people that they hate. Dun, 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 dun expressed his views on gay marriage. He told oh. the Baptist press that he was guilty of supporting the biblical definition of a family unit. <laughs> the controversy! I, <laughs> just as a side note, um... If you're if you're a gay activist and you hate the church and you don't believe in all of this silly God stuff anyway, what do you care? If a Christian says you're going to hell for being gay, why do you care? You don't believe in hell anyway. Like, do you see what I'm saying here? There are there are there are atheist activists in the world who say that Christian beliefs are stupid and outdated and fanciful and fairy tales but at the same time get offended when Christians tell them about their beliefs. It's like, why? If you think it's all nonsense, why do you even care? <laughs> well, I, I believe uh, homosexuals are going to hell. Oh, my God, how can you say that? First of all, God doesn't even exist. Hell doesn't even exist, right? What? Why, why, do, you get, why do you care, then? Because fuck you, that's why. Fuck you and your Christian chicken shit. Damn bigots. The comments incited backlash in the form of boycotts and LGBT kissins at Chick-fil-A restaurants around the See, that's trolling, right? That's trolling. Oh, the the the, the CEO of the company said he supports uh traditional marriage. Like uh, you know, Christian the idea of Christian marriage. So let's all as gay people go to a restaurant and kiss each other. It's like, ooh. <laughs> you're, such a, you're so edgy. <laughs> like, did, did, the, did the CEO of um, Chick-fil-A show up at your door and start ramming a Bible down your throat? Do straight people show up at your place of employment and start fucking? <laughs> Is that what you want to see? Hey, this company's pro-gay. Let's go there and uh, give each other head. Yeah! <laughs> Let's do that. Really rub it in their face. You know what I mean? So dumb. Grow up. The country, according to a brand satisfaction... Again, it's a chicken restaurant. It's a chicken shop, okay? Like, this, this, isn't, this isn't the great moral battle of your time. This isn't, you know, the hill to die on. It's a place that cooks chicken. Right? <laughs> that's all it is. It's, that's all it is.
action measurement from YouGov, the company's rating dropped to its lowest level in two years following the comments. The day of Dan Cathy's first comments, Chick-fil-A's rating was 65, 19 points above Ooh. average. But four days later, the chain had fallen to 47. Now, I wonder, I wonder why the company's customer rating would fall, you know, 20 points in a matter of hours after the owner and CEO of a particular company came out and said that he supports the biblical interpretation of marriage. And of, this must have surely had a massive hit to the bottom line. This must have surely forced Chick-fil-A to redress their, you know, uh, gay-hating culture, right? <clears throat> they must have lost a ton of money after this. Even though the comments hurt the brand's reputation, the company's annual sales improved. <laughs> yeah, really, really hurt their reputation. Really hurt that reputation, didn't it? Hey, <laughs> how can you even say that the comments hurt the company's reputation if the sales improved? The improvement in the sales, the bottom line improving, it, it, it goes directly against the opinion that the comments hurt the company's reputation. If you're running a business and you have a bad reputation, well, guess what happens to the amount of money coming in? It doesn't go up. <laughs> it goes... <laughs> Down. Down. <laughs> even though even though the company had a really shitty reputation and everyone hates it, for some reason sales went up. <laughs> great, great analysis there. In 2012, the company saw $4 billion in system-wide sales, a 13% increase from the three point went up 13%. Not one, not two, not three, 13%. Six billion dollars a year earlier. It also grew 7.4% in average <laughs> sales per unit. Dan so, uh, the reputation went down 20%, but sales went up 13%. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> sure, sure it did. Sure it did. That reputation going down, baby. Going right down. Kathy said in 2014 that he regretted publicly commenting on gay marriage and that he would stay uh, out of political debates. But in 2017, reports revealed the Chick-fil-A Foundation had donated millions to what critics say are anti-LGBT groups. Anti-LGBTQ tra uh, charities, as reported by the Huffington Post, ladies and gentlemen. Charities that were previously known as pro-Christian charities, which are now anti-LGBTQ charities. <laughs> Such as donations to the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. <laughs> they gave a donation to the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, that hate group? <laughs> so dumb <laughs> so dumb and so shallow but anti-lgbtq hate group that violent hate group the fellowship of christian athletes you mean <laughs> sports ministry that believes homosexual misconduct is unnatural in the eyes of god oh. again sales remain I, I, again a god we don't believe in anymore <laughs>
remained unharmed. Chick-fil-A pulled in $8 billion in system-wide sales huh? in 2017, <laughs> up 15% from the previous year. It grew again! <laughs> the sales went up again! How is this even possible? How did they do it? I mean, the reputation's going through the floor. Everybody hates them. They hate everybody. They, it's just a company of hate. They don't have oil in their deep fryers at Chick-fil-A. They are filled with the hatred of their bigoted Christian beliefs. That's what they're frying chicken in. Hate. Hate. Tasty hate. <laughs> but for some reason, all of these controvert these controversial comments. These controversial comments and these controversial views, views about Christian beliefs, Christianity, which we don't believe in anymore anyway but it's still controversial somehow. Figure that out. But all of these controversial hate and oh, and the giving to the anti-LGBT hate groups like the, Christ, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, all of this hatred, their money just keeps pouring in. <laughs> the sales just keep going up. And the company has still not redeemed itself among LGBT supporters. <laughs> I'm guessing they're saying, well, fucking so what? We just doubled our sales in the last five years. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I'm sure that everybody's on the edge of their seat trying to redeem themselves with the type of people that have kiss-ins because they get offended by beliefs that they don't personally believe in. Right, gotcha. During the 2019 Pride Parade in New York City, attendees taped a large X over and says fuck haters on the, on the X at the Chick-fil-A. For one of Chick-fil-A's store fuck haters. <laughs> fronts. Between 2017 and 2018, system-wide sales improved 12.8% from $8 billion to $9 billion. It seems like... It, it, it seems like the more controversial the company gets, the more the sales go up. Isn't that the darndest thing? Its sales per store is higher than any other fast food chain at $4 million. Wow. McDonald's generates $2.7 million a unit. And in 2019, it became the third largest restaurant chain in America there by system-wide sales. It surged past Wendy's, Burger King, Taco Bell, and Subway in just one year. Since 2000, hot on the heels of Starbucks. So Starbucks that, um, Starbucks that apologizes for kicking people out when they loiter. Starbucks who uh, apologizes for racism throughout human history when the CEO goes on CNN and cries. Starbucks who comes out with a policy to not employ local people, but rather only refugees and illegal immigrants as some kind of PR drive. Uh, Chick-fil-A, the hate-filled, bigoted Christian restaurant that isn't even open seven days a week is now hot on their heels. Hey, isn't that funny? Isn't that weird? <laughs> seven, Chick-fil-A has doubled its number of stores to 2,400 restaurants. The majority of its restaurants are still in the South and Southwest. Texas, for example, tops the chart with 391 restaurants, while Georgia has 218. Georgia. From its history of store openings, however, it seems the company is slowly working to expand its foothold in other regions. Between 2011 and 2018, for example, the company grew from having one location in New York to having 17. Wow. Most expensive city in the world to do business. From one to 17 stores. So they're doing all right. Chick-fil-A. So I hope you enjoyed that. Interesting, isn't it? The rise of this company. But again, 
I just got to stress, I find, you know, the outrage, I, I find that, you know, kind of like the, that's the distraction. Because you've got to turn everything into politics nowadays. Certain people need to make everything some kind of political stand. And first of all, I would say if you're out there protesting against dinner, if you're protesting against food, then, you know, you've got problems. But putting that to one side, it's not it's not just bigotry. It's not hatred. It's not just Christian values. If you take everything else into consideration, two-thirds of the people working there work there growing up. The franchisees only own one store. The entry to market is four times less than it is for a McDonald's or a KFC, right? All of these little things added into the mix points to a company that's very well run, very well structured, and people enjoy working there, and obviously people enjoy eating there more than anything else. And that's something that all of the, um, you know, all of the political activist outrage will likely never get rid of. That's something that all of the activist outrage will never erase. And it's a good lesson for some people because regardless of how much you hate a thing, that doesn't mean that that thing has no right to exist. Basic business practices often, you know, dictate these things more so than your own perceived view of injustice. And if you've got a problem with the way Chick-fil-A runs its shit, don't worry. Don't go there. But of course, that's not good enough, is it? Because you've stopped going there already. You're protesting out the front of the place. You don't like the place. You tell everybody how it's haters. You vandalize the store. You have little kiss-in protests. You stand out the front waving your banners and their sales are going up. And I bet that really grinds your gears, doesn't it? I bet it annoys you even more than the fact that the place exists and the people that own the place have particular religious views. What what annoys you more than that is the fact that nobody else gives a single fuck what you think. I, I guarantee that's where most of the outrage is coming from. It's not for the fact that this particular company has particular views, even though companies really don't have views, but it's the fact that you can't stop them. That's what's driving the outrage. The fact that people aren't listening to you and no longer care what you think. And instead, maybe like normal people do, maybe normal people aren't considering the political outrage and angst and activism. Maybe normal people just want a fucking chicken sandwich. How about that? Maybe the normal person's desire for a chicken sandwich is more important to them than you feeling like you've been oppressed somehow by a chicken restaurant. Maybe. Just putting that out there. Uh, We've run well over time. I'll get to the vegans tomorrow. I'll get to the barbecues tomorrow. I've got a whole bunch of stuff lined up for tomorrow's show. Uh, People in the Discord have been sending in fantastic articles and fantastic clips, so I will get to them. Uh, I've got an 83-year-old who's on Tinder for tomorrow's show, so we might go a little bit over time tomorrow. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for joining us on this edition of The Daily Boogie. I hope you enjoyed that look into Chick-fil-A. Um, I'll be back tomorrow night at 11pm once again. I'll be on in the morning with the starting block uh, about 5.30am. Not that anybody should be awake for that. If you are, then you need to take some sleeping pills and go back to bed because you have problems. Stop drinking so much booze (laughs) overnight. Uh, If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you'd like to sell me some bigoted, hateful chicken, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at Boogie Bumper. 
Until tomorrow, guys, stay calm, stay rational. God bless, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Get to follow our friends at Real Person PLTCS and at Chris MC44. I'll see you tomorrow night at 11 pm. Thanks for joining us. See you later. Bye.